0: This is Waiting for review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From the UK, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from New Zealand is Dave Wood. (laughs) Oh God, I just clicked on Safari, and it's the um, order confirmation for the laptop.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hallowed be its name.
0: (laughs) What's interesting is it says delivers 6th of December to 10th of December, which seems like ages away. But then on the email that came through, it said dispatch is in three to five days. Right. When they say dispatch, I mean, I guess that means it leaves China.
1: I guess so. So it's still got a yeah.
0: fair way to go before it gets anywhere near here. But I seem to recall when I bought the iMac, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, because the iMac 5K had only just come out. So it was like the new thing in the same way the 16 inches. Yep. And yeah, I seem to recall it was like a two-week lead time. And I ordered it being a bit like, nah, 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 whatever. And then out of nowhere, I got like, it's on its way. And it it didn't take that long once it left China. It really didn't take long at all. I think it went from China to Russia, from Russia to... I think it went to Kazakhstan at one point. Yep. Because I was like tracking it on the uh, thing. I think within inside like two days, it was here. Once it actually left China.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it it doesn't seem to take too long once it's actually on its way. Um, a, yeah. A similar sort of experience way back when. I'm trying to think, like the last one that I ordered directly from Apple, um, that sort of traveled that route. It's probably, it's quite a while ago. It'd be a 2010, uh, MacBook Air. Yeah. Because when I, when I bought my, um, 2013, um, 13 inch MacBook Pro, that was straight from the Apple store. That was a moment of, right, I need to sort this, um, for a variety of reasons, so the, um, the the MacBook Air just did not last me that long. As I started to use Xcode, mm. yeah, um,
0: it wouldn't do. I suppose would it?
1: No, and the SSD was fairly small as well, and blah blah blah. All all of the usual sort of complaints, you know. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, and that that was a uh, right. Let's go to the uh, to the Apple store. Um, but obviously, when you have a custom config on a machine like I believe you do, that ordering directly from the store can't really uh, can't really happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it did say I could collect it from my local store, but it would be on the day that it, they'd post it to me anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> I was so hopeful that I could um, click on the store, you know, spec it up to what I want, and then it says, available at your local store, collect your pickup, available tomorrow. Yeah. I could just quickly run down and get it. I did wonder whether they would maybe keep some of the more common sort of configs or rather common build to order configs. Um, but no, they've just got the standard twenty three ninety nine, twenty seven ninety nine. Yeah. That's it. And I probably would have been okay with either of them, to be honest with you. Um, it's funny, I, I sit here now with sort of like a 10% sort of like 10% of my stomach feels a bit sick about what I've just done. Oh, no. Um, but... i I figure i've been waiting long enough so the hell with it i'm gonna have the laptop and that's it's funny because i i took some swear like heather was almost persuading me to do it at one point i was like oh you know i don't know if i need to do this and yeah um i don't know i guess just the sort of the reality of the situation sort of hit me just it being
1: being that that sheer volume of cash all in one go
0: yeah i mean it, it's just such a lot of bloody money yeah <laughs> and i'm there looking at the checkout page like that is a big number and then when i click buy that's all of my money gone yeah like all the money that i saved um if i think about it certain ways i feel bad like when i think about like the checkout page i feel bad and i think about the fact that really this macbook isn't particularly linked to my income at all at the moment so i feel kind of bad in that it's an indulgence really if i If I'm totally honest. And, but then if I spin it the other way, it's like, well, you did sell your iMac and you did sell your SLR camera and you did sell your stupid steering wheel for the PS4 and you did sell (laughs) a few other bits and bobs. So when you add all that up, the money I had to put towards it was about a thousand pounds. Yeah. So when I think of it in those terms, I'm like, oh, well, I spent a thousand pounds on an iPhone and I didn't feel this bad. So maybe I shouldn't be feeling this bad. I mean, just just, just just the overall obscenity of the situation isn't lost on me, though, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does. And, and I think it's you know, it's probably a good thing to kind of have a bit of that sort of feeling, you know, a bit of perspective. Uh, sometimes I sort of see people flexing what they've just bought and everything else on, on Twitter, and I kind of sort of think, oh, you know, do you really have zero perspective of how much money that actually is and what, what that sort of would mean? Um, Mm. because I think sometimes people, especially if they're on a good tech income or whatever, they kind of lose that perspective. Um, Yeah, and so I think it's worth worth still having some of that perspective to sort of understand the value of, of your money. But at the same time, this is a tool, you know, and it's a tool that you will be using and that you will be getting good use out of. And given how long your last one lasted you as well, (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm so gutted it didn't make it to 10 years yeah yeah we're so close now it feels like come on just like what, four months five months away we could have made it to the 10 year mark but it wasn't to be i guess i'll still keep it around
1: i was gonna say it's probably not gonna disappear completely out of um out of your reach that's a machine no. um that your uh your kids could be using in some way maybe
0: for a little yeah, while. or maybe even Heather. Heather's expressed an interest of, like, oh, maybe, you know. Obviously, she's issued a school laptop, and it's just some, like, HP piece of crap or something. Yeah. And she doesn't like it. I don't like it. No one likes it, but it <laughs> it is what it is, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she's kind of shown a bit of an interest in the past, just being like, well, it'd be nice to have, like, my laptop be my laptop and the school laptop be the work laptop. Yep. Um, just to t- kind of create those boundaries. It'd be a perfect machine for her just to sort of try, try macOS. I mean, as, as I said to her, the green line down the screen is, it adds character, if anything, so <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fine. It's only got one GPU, but you only need one, and the green line is uh, it's character, so.
1: What do they say? It's, uh, it's 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 got a good patina on, on the body. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but actually, the actual unibody is spotless. Like, it, it's... And there's a few little marks where I sort of rest my wrist where I've been wearing the Apple Watch and like the buckle kind of grinds away at the aluminium over time. That's um, one concern I've got with this new one, especially with it being space grey. Yeah. Um, I might have to have a no Apple Watch policy while using it at this <laughs> rate. Um, but yeah, yeah the 2010 still, is still going, it's just horrifically slow. Um <laughs> Yeah, if I load up Xcode, code then it's almost like the fans come on by default even if I'm not actually doing anything.
1: Right. This is-
0: yeah. I mean it there's no doubt in my mind that it, it's time for a new one. Uh it's just it's a lot of bloody money. It's a lot of money. And, you know, to, to reaccrue this money to if I were to do this again, I kinda of worked it out the other night. Like the way we I've said on before, like the way we kinda of work our money is that everything goes into a central pot and then we make joint decisions on most of the things that we ever buy. Yeah. Um, however, we each kind of write ourselves a little check at the end of each month, and that is our money to do whatever the hell we want with. And it doesn't have to be a joint decision. You do what you want with it. Um, Heather could do a skydive with hers. I could buy a silly MacBook Pro of mine, as I just have. And I kind of worked out that it's going to take me th- like over three years to accrue that kind of level of money again. So this wasn't, like you say a flippant kind of purchase like oh yeah i'll just buy one and it's you've bought one and this is like a really carefully considered move it's going to take a long time to be in this position to do it again which is why i think i agonized over it so much yeah but it's done now i just i I think i need maybe like two or three days to get over the the fact that i've spent the money um and then it'll be time to enjoy it'd it be time to enjoy the device then
1: and not least of which a little bit um of of kind of Oh my God, it's actually happening. It's on its way, given how long you've waited for this machine and and sort of, (laughs) yeah, look forward to it in one way or another as well, right?
0: Yeah. I'm just conscious that this whole thing kind of sounds a little bit humble, braggy. Um, Well, even just talking about the fact that I've got one at all, because even the base model is loads of money. Yeah. So just the sheer mentioning of, oh, I've got one, it's kind of like, oh, damn, (laughs) you spent a lot on your laptop. Oh, but and yeah you know, if you're in a position to just drop that kind of money on a laptop good luck to you you know that's that's fine but for me i this is like a lot of in, i had to do a lot of things intentionally to line up this money to make this happen yeah. so yes hence the the shock i think of it all seeing all that money disappear i'll let you know when it's on its way and then i can that's when i think i'm gonna my mood will perk <laughs> once it's like oh it's on its way like all the money thing that all that horrible money stuff that's all taken care of now yeah i don't need to sort of dirty our hands with this money business <laughs> and now we're just getting a toy that's being posted to me so so yeah, I'm, i am looking forward to it important question
1: what did you actually go for in that config
0: i went for the i9 spec like the the, the pre-configured i9 thing so that's got i'm sure everyone knows it's listening but i'll just say it anyway it's got the i9 it's got 16 gig of ram it's got one terabyte ssd and it's got the 5500 m graphics thing with four gig of ram Yep, video ram and i took i took it to 32 gig right for the, for the ram so
1: that was your customization yeah i
0: still don't know whether that was the right the right call because um, uh. i mean apple's ram prices are eye-wateringly expensive
1: they are uh, they are indeed, yeah, um, but they're soldered to the board, so what can you do? It's you've got to make a choice you do, you do indeed. And, and given that you've ran your previous 2010 model for nine years, 32 gig of RAM on this one's probably a good call. I mean I, I don't think I don't know, but but maybe you won't run this next one as your main machine for quite so long, because um, obviously you had your iMac on the way previously, right so so that that became your main machine. Um, and the, the, the 2010 MacBook Pro has kind of just,
0: just been there for a little while. Um, That's true. Although I would say even while I had the iMac for the last year, I was on the MacBook a right. lot more anyway. Just basically from 2016, once Charlie was born, it was pretty hard to get away up onto the iMac. Just because, well, we've spoken about it before, just because it's hard to get a large chunk of time just to be like, I'm going upstairs to the office to on the computer yeah um but there are lots of fragments of time throughout the day like 10 minutes 15 minutes 20 minutes where I can quickly hop on a laptop and if it's there sort of on the counter I can make use of those periods of time so yeah I guess probably the iMac really only saw 18 months to two years of what I would call proper use right hence the itch to move back to a laptop start I resisted it for a long time I was like no I've got to stay with the iMac but I definitely felt that pull back to the laptop, and even though I had the iMac, I was on the 2010 MacBook Pro quite a lot of the time.
1: Right, that's uh, yeah. So really, it has been it has been a kind of main machine for quite a lot of that time.
0: What bothered me was that I could go to the local Apple store tomorrow and get just the stock config with 16 gig of RAM, and that was really tempting. I, I think I said to you on Slack at one point, like I'm really tempted just to go and buy it. And that wasn't me just being like silly. I was genuinely tempted to just go down, do it, I'll have it tonight, it's done. Yep. Um, And then I started thinking like, well, option number one, I keep this laptop for eight or nine years again, which I'm not sure I'd recommend in my heart of hearts because the last few years have been quite hard going on this MacBook. Um, But let's just say I do that. Is is 16 gig of RAM in eight years' time going to feel like 16 gig of RAM feels today? Because at the minute it feels quite roomy. But you are start you are more conscious of that headroom, that ceiling sort of coming down on you even today than you were say five years ago, yeah, and that made me think well thirty two would make sense in that basis on that basis to make sure that in seven, eight, maybe nine years time, who knows that thirty two still feels reasonably good at that point. The other option is is that I don't keep this machine for very long. I say very long. Let's say maybe three or four years. I keep it for. Well, on that basis, the thirty-two gig of RAM potentially will make it more appealing to buyers when I go to sell it. Yep. Um, and potentially, I. I mean, I don't expect to get all of my money back, obviously, when you resell it, because when you start specking things up, you rarely get that money back when it comes to selling it secondhand. Yep. Um, it's almost like that. The detail of what you ordered in three or four years ago isn't really that relevant anymore anyway so it's just like well yeah I know it's a 16 inch MacBook Pro and I don't really care that it's got all these little tweaks on it I just want a 16 inch MacBook Pro second hand so it's harder to get that that money back out at the other end yeah but again three to four years time are people going to look at 16 gig laptop and be like oh, that's a bit that's not quite enough nowadays I don't know I can is the honest I answer I can imagine
1: that people are going to seek out the 32 gigs over the 16 gigs when they turn up So, yeah, I I mean, like, you know, you may not see the full value of what that was in terms of the additional cost now on a resale, Um, but it will certainly help uh, kind of lock the value, I think, compared to sort of what the market rate is, if you sort of see what I mean. It's it's kind of a, uh, you know, when you head into a situation of it kind of being, I want around about this price, but or nearest offer sort of thing, the 32 gig will help justify it being, no, 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 really this
0: price. Yeah, and I think that helped with the iMac, because obviously I spec'd that to 32 gig. Um, A couple of people were put off by it because I bought third-party RAM, and they were like, oh, so it wasn't an Apple job then. I was like, well, no, but it's fine, because you just put sticks in and it's fine, and if they don't work, you take them out again, and here's the original 8 gig of Apple RAM that you can put back in. Some people weren't happy with that, Mm. Which which uh, surprised me, to be quite honest, because I thought most people would be cool with it. It's luck would have the the guy that I sold it to. He was totally cool with it. He was like, "Great, and thank you very much for the eight gig as well that I can <laughs> keep in the drawer just in case you know it does go wrong and he has to contact Apple for some reason." Yeah, you know that's the first thing they'll say as well. You've got third party RAM in there, so take that out, put in the original eight gig, and there's no argument, is no. there? Um, but yeah. I I, I sort of had a chat to him got him talking and he was saying yeah like 32 is a big reason why I looked at this so hopefully that that same thing could apply if, if I, I, I don't know how long I'm going to keep this for I was thinking about it on, on the drive home earlier actually that if I can get a certain price for it at three years then it wouldn't be a, like a crazy amount of money to sort of stay on the on the, sort of keep on the train as it yeah. were sort of you know three years chop it out for a new one then it's sort of less of an ordeal than it is leaving it nine years because then you've basically got to front all of the money yourself. Because <laughs> um, at that point, I mean, what what is this 2010 MacBook Pro worth now? Like nothing, even if it was working. Yeah. It's got to be worth basically nothing. Um, and that was what, like 10 years ago, I think that was like £2,000. It was nearly, nearly £2,000. Yeah. Um, again, I kind of threaded the needle on that one. I was a student at the time and there was this back to school promo that I got a free iPod touch that I subsequently sold. Um, you know, so I didn't pay that for it, but yeah, now it's basically gone from 2000 to essentially zero, even if it is in a working case. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. And it it might be a different landscape in three to four years. We could be looking at ARM MacBook pros for all we know. Yeah, possibly. So maybe I wouldn't want to stay on this thing forever. Um feel like maybe i should given how much money i've put into it but if i can get a good percentage of that back in three years time or a fair percentage of it back rather i don't expect to get anywhere near all of it back but uh, yeah
1: then it, it might make sense to just sort of keep rolling um and like you know to keep rolling with an updated machine sort of stay on that train yeah i, I could see that I, I mean like i've I've got my my mac mini and it's a great machine it's, it's doing me um it's been absolutely the right purchase for me to make at this point, uh, because I, I do have a room that I can go and work in, and it's just, it's permanently set up, and that's great. Uh, but I can feel, every so often I feel the tug for having the um, the mobility again, and there may be a point where that becomes more practical and more necessary than, than it is right now. You know, we might move house, there might be some other combination of how it was set up or, or whatever. I guess I've, I've mentally kind of earmarked that I'll probably be, I, I think I'll be off this machine and probably onto a 13-inch MacBook Pro in, I reckon, about another 18 months' time or so. And then there's kind of a future for this Mac Mini where it becomes a, either a machine for my kids to use in some fashion or a build server or, you know, some combination of all those things. Um so,
0: kind of becomes like a closet computer at that point.
1: Maybe. Yeah, to some degree, to some degree. So it's always got a, 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 you know, a use and a life. And I think having the Mac Mini has probably, you know, given me a machine that sort of lends itself more to that sort of like yeah, stick it in a cupboard, sort of use later on for some some extra computing for something. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, right now, it's doing me well.
0: Yeah, Mac Minis can go on and on, I think, can't they, really? Because they've got such a... Even when they're not very fast for what we would consider daily use, like Xcode and this and that, there's there's always use for them as like a almost like a bit of a NAS thing, so you could hook up a load of hard drives yep. to it and share them, you Plex servers, build servers, all sorts. Um, so I think, yeah, the Mac Mini, especially the new ones, because they're really quite quite good yeah, now. Yeah, it's, um, it's compiling my code really well. Um yeah, I bet. Yeah, they've got a really good good life on them, I think. I mean, I'm, I was even considering uh, looking at a, even like a 2012 one. I thought maybe I could just get and stick in the cupboard and have that as like the closet thing because a few things I've been doing to the Raspberry Pi that maybe we'll get onto. Um, <laughs> the Raspberry Pi is, I sort of feel like I've found its limits fairly quickly. Yeah. And given the direction of sort of what I'm up to now, it's more leaning towards Mac tooling and things like that. I kind of thought maybe I could pick up a 2012 Mac Mini and sort of stuff that in the cupboard, hook it up to my gigabit switch and uh, sort of good to go. And they've got to be dirt cheap these days. Yeah, I'd imagine so. But no doubt it would do everything I need it to do. I don't know what they go for, like what, a couple
1: of hundred? Really no idea. Um, They were holding their value really, really well, um, I guess up until the 2018s came out. Yeah, um, because that was a good, good break in between the two. Um, and I think what, what happened with the Mac Mini is that the um, the 2012 you could update the RAM uh, and then the 2014 we were into uh, RAM being soldered down um, which is why the 2012 is yeah. holding its price better than the 2014 models and then obviously the, the 2018 Mac Mini they returned back to a situation where you could put your own RAM in which I, I think in some ways, that feels like that was actually a um, a bit of a beginning in terms of this sort of current phase of Max. Like uh, somebody was describing, I think it was over on Core Intuition or on their podcast that um, Apple was sort of returning to a form where um, they they were giving developers uh, more more of what they wanted again with these new machines. Uh, it may even have been under the radar. I'm not not sure now. I listened to a bunch of podcasts all in one go yesterday, and they've all blurred into one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was doing uh, do some extended yard work sorting our place out, and um, when I do that, I tend to just bung the headphones in. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and um, anyway, the the gist of... Of what I'm remembering was that this current era, sort of from with the with the Mac Pro, with the new Mac Pros that are sort of on their way, with this um, the 16-inch Mac MacBook Pro, Apple has kind of they've listened they've listened to developers they've listened to to the the market, um, a lot more than they were doing. <laughs> you know, the the, the 2013 uh, Mac Pro was a departure from. Uh, the usefulness of the previous line of machines and they were going over um like uh what was it they were going over the the form over the function of the machine yeah and then the um the touch bar era um with with the butterfly keyboards uh that that kind of marks the um again the departure of of um Function to form, uh, and I would say, like with the uh, with the Mac Mini, the same sort of thing happened when they went for soldering down the RAM inside of the Mini as well. Back in 2014, that that was quite uh, that wasn't anything that a user would appreciate, really. And there was no um, change to the design or anything like that that sort of gave anybody anything back. That was actually a sign of Apple just sort of being, uh, yeah, quite greedy in a lot of ways. Uh, we'll lock down these machines just because we can. Um, So, yeah, I kind of feel like the 2018 Mac Mini marks that sort of return to Apple, sort of kind of going, hey, you know, we're going to give you machines that do the things that you want them to do now.
0: I think you're right. Yeah. It's almost like it was the start of a return to form. Yeah. Because when you look at it, again, I think I heard something, someone the other day, I forget who it was, I think it was a YouTuber, um, just kind of that Apple have just been doing obvious stuff this year. Um, not necessarily like, you know, crazy innovation, but just like really obvious stuff. Um, and you could argue in some cases that they shouldn't have to do the obvious stuff because they shouldn't have got themselves in the mess that required them to do the obvious stuff to pull it back. But if, if you irrespective know, of that, they've just had a year of doing obvious stuff. Like you say, start with the Mac Mini. Now we've got these, uh, the Mac Pro, the MacBook Pro, um, it just it seems like yeah, you know, the, the record's been set straight now and rather than us constantly sort of bickering and fighting and arguing about you know butterfly keyboards and, and things like that that's all been put to one side now hopefully and we can start looking towards like the future as opposed to thinking about how we're going to get out of this mess yeah so it's good. It's a good place. I think the Mac's in a good place at the minute. I feel very happy with it. It feels like the 16-inch has almost had like... It's almost like it's been iMac Pro-ified. Yes. In that it's basically the same thing to look at, but it isn't. <laughs> in the same way that the iMac Pro looks very similar to the iMac, but it isn't the same thing. And I'm I'm all for that. I'm all for everything they've done, really, in the last sort of 12 months. Um yeah, I'm interested to see where uh, where we go from here really. Uh, like I say I think Arm Arm is going to play a big role in that. I don't know how much of a role to start with. I think Dubdub could be interesting, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say that much. You know, like how are they going to how are they going to do this? Are they going to come out on stage and say we're switching everything to Arm, but we're going to sort of do a crossfade between Intel to Arm much like they did with PowerPC and Intel? Or is it well, we're going to do Arm stuff but only on like the 12-inch MacBook that we're bringing back? thanks to ARM, and now the new ARM-powered MacBook Air. But the pros, they're going to stay on Intel. So now we're going to have to sort of have everything compiled for Intel and ARM. Maybe. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Um, That's, um, I,
1: I still feel like the way things have ended up, that, that they could kind of say that something along the lines of, provided that you are um, compiling your app with bitcode, distributing through the mac app store developers don't need to worry that's the feeling i've got that that they could essentially handle that that side of stuff um just just through sort of the means of of the tools um Mm -hmm. and in terms of there then being a um an arm compatible version that is then distributed out um I might be wrong. I might be missing something with the technology there, um, but that's that's the sort of feeling I've got for it. I, I kind of feel like if they're going to do this switch, there's going to be this route that just means you know developers don't have to worry. Which, funnily enough, if they do, would coincide with it being the route that most benefits Apple, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, um, a Mac App Store that is is full of of good apps um and is the the
0: only place that people really lean on to get their apps so i wonder if we'll see like an, an arm-based mac that's almost like windows 10 in s mode you familiar with windows 10 in s mode i'm, I'm not but I'm, I'm getting an impression that, that this is a
1: an app store only device is that right
0: basically yeah um so if you just try and like double click some installer that you downloaded from the web even if it's like a Yeah, you've gone to McAfee and downloaded a McAfee antivirus installer, double-click it, it's like, nope, sorry, (laughs) only stuff from the store. You can disable it, but I wonder if we're going to see that kind of thing, like these consumer Macs, maybe like a 12-inch MacBook Air and a 13-inch MacBook Air that run on ARM processors can only run apps from the Mac App Store. Yeah. And I wonder how many people that would be a problem for.
1: Not a lot, um, I think. After a point, and, and actually, um, Catalyst, you know, formerly Marzipan, kind of ties into this as well. In a sense of if you think about what that what's happened with that um, in the last sort of six months or so, this now means that developers from the iOS side of the world uh, can participate on macOS. You, you can bring your UI kit or Swift UI based app. Over to macOS, and so by the time that we're looking at this sort of situation with with prospective future machines, if this is a situation, there's going to be at least a year or so of, of that sort of being in practice. And so again, it means that as as developers, a couple of things have happened. One, for a start, we've um, we've gained that as a platform and as a technology and as a route. That means that the door is opened up for iOS developers. That's great. That potentially means that there is more developers participating in the Mac App Store because there is a point where, if you are an iOS developer, you are probably going to lean more towards distributing via the Mac App Store if, if you've oh, come yeah, up that Catalyst route.
0: One hundred percent, I would. There's no way, I am doing my own distribution now. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> yeah, so,
1: so exactly, and I think that will play out for for a lot of these apps. Um, certainly, the ones that are, are coming from developers that have only ever been on the iOS side of the fence. So, again, you've got a year of that sort of building up. Other things have happened as well. With Catalina, we lost the support for 32-bit apps. And um, I was trying to download a piece of software to do a very specific task yesterday. And what happened for me then was that a bunch of the the installs that I I went through just wouldn't run. Catalina's like, "Nope, needs to be updated because it's 32-bit. It's not 64-bit. right. So, you know, like, combine the sort of progressions over this last year, departing with 32-bit is probably part of that story. Catalyst, all these other bits. Um, The sort of scene is being set, I guess, for for this, um, for a transition to not be as painful as it was way back when with PowerPC to Intel. You know, the distribution model is different. There was no App Store at that point. There was no way of of Apple kind of taking a a, a, sh- a strong control um, as as they can do today. Um, yeah, that's. I, I guess that's kind of kind of what I think is is that we could see an announcement for ARM that would be, and if you're doing it this way, developers don't need to worry.
0: It just works. Yeah, and also. It's kind of another way to separate the MacBook Pro line from the like the MacBook Air and presumably there'll be a 12-inch that comes back.
1: Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe I, I kind of hope they don't with the 12-inch to be honest. I kind of kind of hope it stays MacBook Air and they just keep the naming and the lineup to make sense, but
0: Yeah, so do I just like a 12-inch MacBook Air. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, because then Yeah, you can kind of imagine the sales pitch. It's like, oh, you can run apps from the Mac App Store. And then someone goes, oh, yeah, but I need to run X, Y, and Z. It's like, great, here's the MacBook Pro. (laughs) More money, (laughs) Um, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, And the people who are going to care the most about that are likely to be developers. They are likely to be power users. They are likely to be exactly the right type of user for the MacBook Pro, as far as Apple's concerned.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. It really is. Um, I imagine DubDub will be where it starts this year, if I had to guess. Yeah, you'd have said so.
1: So your Mac is winging its way to you as we speak. What is the first thing you're going to use it for when you've got it? Apart from, obviously, setting everything up and making sure that you've got podcast editing software and all of the, the usual stuff that you use it for there. What's the first
0: Uh, brand new thing? Well, the thing that intrigues me the most about this MacBook is kind of like old news, um, is is the Touch Bar, because I've never owned a Touch Bar Mac. Um, And all I seem to have heard, really, is kind of negative stuff about it. So I'm kind of interested to see what it's actually like, and form my own opinion, Um, which got me looking into it. And I found this thing um, called POC. Have Have you heard of POC? I've not, no. Like. Okay, so P- P-O-C-K is how it's spelled. Website is poc.dev. Um, so it's kind of like their tagline is display the macOS dock in the touch bar. It's free, open source, and it brings some minimalistic widgets with it. So yeah, sure, the dock, look, the dock looks cool. Um, but what I thought looked cool is kind of just having like uh, the, what is essentially in the top menu bar, like the, the time and the date and the Wi-Fi and the battery. And then you've got like a little Spotify player over there by the Escape To me, this kind of looks really quite cool. So I'm going to try and explore the Touch Bar, kind of like the Apple intended way, as it were. And then I'm fairly sure I'm going to want to install this because this looks pretty cool. Okay, I'm just reading down and it sort of says, enjoy your screen in
1: full size every time. So this is quite clearly a sort of using it in in full screen mode kind of use case. And then you're using the touch bar to sort of give you everything that's normally living off that that top menu. Is that about right?
0: Um, I'm not entirely sure. I guess that when you go into full screen mode, you lose the top menu and you lose the dock, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So I think this is trying to away. give you that back when you're in that full screen mode. But I don't see anywhere that says it can't work when you're not in full screen mode.
1: No. No, I imagine um, it. it just just keeps running.
0: Um, yeah, I, th- I don't know. I think it's just, uh, it kind of surfaces quite a, co- a few, cool th- I think really the Spotify now playing thing is the thing that appeals to me the most. I think that looks pretty decent. Um, but I, 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 d- I don't know like what's, what the touch bar would normally offer because I, I haven't really used one. So I don't know, Can if you look at the top screenshot there, sort of like in the hero image, where you've got the Spotify player next to the escape key. Is there anything like that currently, if you were to run Spotify on your MacBook?
1: There's a a like an iTunes one, yeah. It's a general kind of now playing sort of mode for Spotify. Um, I can't remember. Like the touch bar changes context, and you know you end up with play, pause, um, next track sort of buttons coming up. And and see, I I get those um, when I've got music playing when I'm in Spotify. It's probably fair to say I ignore the touch bar a lot. (laughs) <laughs> apart from when I need volume controls or um, the brightness control.
0: As you see, say. coming back to working on a MacBook um, from the iMac, especially this year, obviously, having lost the iMac completely, I've been using full screen a lot. And I always used to use full screen mode a lot. And I know some people really don't like it, but it really works for me. I kind of, just my mental model of how my stuff is laid out, it kind of really works for me in full screen mode. And especially with the gestures on the touchpad. Um, So I'll generally have like a browser in full screen mode. This is like when I was doing like web development, I would have my text editor in full screen mode. I'd have a browser in full screen mode. um, I'd have my emails in full screen mode and maybe something else in full screen mode, but I'd have them arranged such that if I was in the browser, it was just a quick pan left to get back to your text editor and then pan right to get back. And I loved that workflow. I was so fast. I felt so productive. I was like bouncing all over the place. Take me out of full screen mode, you know, to a point where you've got all these kind of like layered windows, you know, you've sort of got a part of your text editor exposed in the corner where your browser quite hasn't overlapped at all. I was just a mess in that mode. And I still continue just to not really get on well in that mode. So I think POC appeals to me quite strongly potentially because i'm gonna be going back to full screen mode quite a lot with yeah this 16 inch as well i imagine i found full screen mode with the imac felt weird just because the imac was so big to have something in full screen mode felt clumsy yeah so yeah, i kind of did do the whole like layering of windows leaving like a corner poking out from somewhere so i could always get to it in a hurry kind of thing you know um but no this looks this looks genuinely quite interesting to me so i'm gonna i'm that's kind of that the one thing I'm quite excited to try out. I don't know how how good it's gonna be. I've got no idea, but No. Um the touch bar in general I'm interested to try, and specifically I want to try Park. So that's uh that's what I'll be doing. Sweet.
1: So playing playing with that touch bar.
0: Yeah, I kind of wanna I really wanna like it because I feel like all I've heard about it is a lot of negative stuff and I've heard a few voices that actually i Generally quieter voices and the other voices saying that they don't like it, but I really do quite respect those quieter voices for what they say, um, and they've said it's really good and I like it for these reasons. But then they kind of get drowned out by the louder voices saying they don't like it. So I'm not sure what I'm go- what I'm going to expect really. Like what what am I going to find with this touch? bar, am I going to like it? I, I don't know. But I'm kind of fascinated really to find out. okay we'll call that a wrap if you've enjoyed today's show it'd be great if you could leave us a review on itunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in overcast by hitting that star button that will help us reach even more like-minded people Um, also we have our slack channel we'd love to invite you to join our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out if you'd like to join uh, just leave us a message on twitter at wfr podcast and we'll get you signed up so dave before we run off where can people find you
1: you can find me on Twitter at DW Roboheads. That's Robohead spelt with a Z. And you can find my apps at Roboheads.com. Again, that's Roboheads spelt with a Z. How about you, Dave?
0: You can follow me online at davenot.co.uk or on Twitter. I'm at underscore davenot.